This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 18, Autumn Siren Flies with Tyler Strait. Never met Tyler. I just know him via social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and through his website, autumnsirenflies.blogspot.com. So go check that out now. If you're not driving, check out his website. He is a custom fly tire that lives on the Lake Erie tributary systems. We're talking brown trout, steelhead, and salmon. He additionally ties flies for other Great Lake tributaries. He knows the history of the flies. He knows the history of the fish, and he's a quite impressive young man, which we will learn about on this podcast. Please remember, this is a Skype-recorded podcast, so there may be some dropouts, some glitches, etc. That's just the way it happens when you do a Skype interview. So I hope you enjoy these podcasts of people that I've never met before, that I've just reached out to and said, hey, you got a cool story, let's talk about it online. So without further ado, let's check in with Tyler. All right. Um, well, let's just start off. How about uh, we introduce you and let's talk about Steelhead Alley Flies and AutumnSirenFlies.blogspot.com. Okay. So where are you calling from? Well, I'm from uh, Olean, New York, some western New York, about 60 miles south of Buffalo. So you must get a lot of snow? Yes, we do. We get a lot of snow. 
You'll probably get more in a day than we've had here in years. Yeah, it's about uh, right. Yeah, so are you a full-time professional fly tire for steelhead alley patterns? No, I'm not actually. Actually, I'm a high school student right now. Just an after-school job that I do to make a little money for fly fishing. Dude, I thought you were like in your late 20s or early 30s like me. No, no. What year are you? I'm like 16. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, you're doing great. Yeah. Your website. Let's. So what's your website for people that are uh, checking in right now that have access? It's uh, autumnsirenflies.blogspot.com. Okay. So if you guys are listening right now and you're not driving, take a look there. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff we see on this website. Well, I wasn't expecting you to be youngster. So you were born when I was a junior in college, probably. Yeah. Dating myself. I did not get carded for beer today. I felt embarrassed. <laughs> okay, so who were your major influences in becoming a, a fly tire? Well, first off, uh, was a gentleman by the name of Greg Little that taught me to tie flies. I was almost eight years ago, I started going to this fly tying class called Country Kids on the Fly, and that's where I learned to tie flies. And um, I like to I see the next generation. Mainly, my main influence, my main influence for fly tying, have been the Steelhead Alley outfit guys like Greg Senio and uh, Mike Decate. I think that's how you say yeah. it. Yeah, Docato. Docato. Yeah, those guys are Mike's patterns are absolutely nuts. Yeah. His um his fifth element fly, I've got to buy. He lives down the street from my in-laws. I've got to buy one. I'm going to go and try and get him on the podcast this winter. Um, and Yeah, we've had Greg on too. He's a great guy and coming up with all sorts of, of great new stuff. So, yeah, you've, you've got some big influences there. Um, how long have you been tying and selling your flies? Oh, selling flies about two years. I started the website back in August of uh, 2011. Okay. And your seasonality is basically, I'm thinking, fall through, through spring for steelhead mostly? Uh, steelhead run from early October to mid-April, depending okay. on where you are. New York trips tend to end sooner than the Ohio trips just uh, depends on what strain of steelhead there is. Right. So I fish for Skimania, not Skimania. Um, Little Manistee. I mean, it's the summer. Run. Little Manistee, that's the one that I fish for in Ohio. I'm not sure which the ones are on the Salmon River in New York. You might know that, but I don't. Winter um, Creek, I think they're called, or something like that. Okay, and I'm guessing, so if you're below Buffalo, you're on Lake Erie? Yes, Lake Erie, Jeff. How far drive is that for you to go fishing? Uh, about an hour. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's about six and a half with no traffic for me to get up to the salmon. When So you got into commercial tying two years ago. Yeah. Um, where do you procure most of your materials? Or do you get professional discounts with shops and and companies like Hairline? and? Yes, Hairline. Hmm. Also, I get a lot from uh, Date Trout Flies in Rostow, New York. I tie a lot of flies from, from them, and I buy a lot of stuff from them. That hairline catalog, when it shows up, is like the greatest male thing for me ever. It is, for a a fly fisherman, I'm going to have to say it's pornographic. Just the amount of material in there. Um, I wish I could actually go through their facility and just pick stuff instead of having to do it online. Because I like to, you know, touch stuff, look at the packets of like Marabou and, and actually tangibly feel things. It's tougher for me to order through a catalog. And what type of vice do you prefer? I use the uh, Regal Vice. I use, the, use the standard, standard jaw. Okay, that's what I have. Yeah. It's fantastic. C-clamp or pedestal? 
uh, C-clamp. Really? Okay. I used to have one of those. I upgraded, though, once we started doing our local fishing events at local bars, and all the tables were different. The C-clamp just never seemed to fit any of them. So I got the pedestal now. What about your hooks? Do you have a preferred brand? Hooks. I love Daiichi hooks. Actually, there are distributors here in New York up in uh, right next to Oak Orchard Creek. Still have not fished the Oak Orchard, but I always see some monster browns coming out of there. Oh, I was just up on Sunday, and I netted two huge monster browns for a guy. They were huge. Is Oak Orchard just a different fishery, I mean, that it produces bigger brown trout than other systems? I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if the state stocks more browns in there. Or if it's just a fact you get more salmon, like the Salmon River, so you don't see as many big browns caught. Yeah. So there's that, There's a salmon run that goes up Oak as, Oak as well? Yes. Okay. Learning stuff. Okay. What about uh, scissors? You got, like, preference of scissors that you use? I use a lot of the Montana Fly Company uh, River Camo. Okay. And what about your bobbins? You like the right bobbins? You like ceramics? You got a preference for those? Uh, ceramics are good. Yeah. I like, what about your thread? Uh. A uh, Dansville uh, six aught, six aught. Okay. Pretty much all I use unless I'm tying gear here, bass bugs, and that's the uh, Gudboard GX two. And what's the process for tying flies? Does someone just pick them off your website? Do they send you an email and say like, I want two dozen sucker spawns or crystal meths, and then you give them a price quote and ship them out? Yeah, that's usually how it happens. Somebody emails me up, although you can order flies off my website through uh, PayPal, and then okay. PayPal sends me an email, but most of the stuff I get is people that email me up say, hey, I'm fishing the 20-mile uh, creek or the Chagrin River, and uh, what flies work good in the, them. What do you like on the Chagrin River? What flies do you send people? That's where I fish in, at Christmas time. Pretty much it's all uh, white death, my steely caddis, and the uh, black stone fly. We're going to get to that white death in a little bit, so... People at home, get your pens and pencils ready. Um, what's the average price for one of your flies? Uh, eggs are a buck. Uh, bead, uh, beadhead nymphs are a buck seventy-five, and uh, streamers are a buck ninety-five. That's pretty good. That's better than a fly shop. So fantastic. And hopefully through this, you're going to get some more business. That's the plan, oh, also. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what's the process of, of tying? I so you got. Other things, you, I mean, you obviously probably have homework to do, but you just come home and yeah, just come sit home. down and crank them out? Yeah. Usually what happens is, usually I get so many orders that I can say I need to tie up 75, like maybe of a certain egg pattern, or I need to tie up maybe 100 uh, blood dots or something, so I just get out the hooks and tie up a ton and ton, dozens of one fly pattern, and then I move to the next fly pattern. Do you have the radio on, a ball game, TV? You got, like, what do you do to get in that zone? I usually mean we're watching one of those uh, crime shows like NCIS or something or listening to your podcast even. Fantastic. Shout out. Excellent. And we just had, um, I'm not sure the order this will be in, but I just interviewed Ashley Ray, who fishes on the other side of the Great Lakes from you in Canada. Her first brown trout ever was like an eight-pound kiped jawed monster, which is not fair for anybody who's, caught a brown trout before. She goes off and gets the monster on her first try. Oh, yeah. I netted two there, at least 10 pounds at Oak Orchard this week, and it was <sighs> monster, monster fish. They were flopping out of the net. Fantastic. Any tips or techniques you've learned over the, the couple of years that you want to tell people? 
For sleeping like I, I fishing, tell, just keep at no, them. Keep at them. What about for for um, tying in general? Like I tell people, you know, like use a, a a file to get your skin smooth. Use some lotion, bright light. Have everything like at arm's length. I bright light, arm's length. Those are good tips. Huh? Biggest are thing for me, I figured out is just use clear cure goo on the heads of flies, and that'll keep okay. them from falling apart. Do you have a preference for which CCG you use? Uh, Hydro is really good, but I found just a tiny drop of clear cure goo is better than anything else you can use. Yeah, I used um, some of the the one that came with my Patagonia waders, which is like a UV one. Also, my dog bit a hole in my daughter's beach ball yesterday, and I patched it with that. It was pretty pretty cool. I just put a dollop over the bite holes and put the light on it, and boom, I sealed the uh, the beach ball. That stuff's great. I love. I've, I've just been getting into the clear cure recently. It's so easy to use. So yeah, so just keep at it for steelhead. Um, yeah, I mean, just keep. If the steelhead are there, they're gonna bite eventually. They're not like trout that might stop feeding. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Steelhead, it was the guy that taught me to steelhead fish. He he always said, just keep at, just keep presenting your fly to them and keep changing your fly. If they're not hitting a uh, white egg, switch to a red egg. Or if they're not hitting a uh, black woolly butter, switch to a green woolly butter or something like that. Do you have like a rule like four swings with no butt, you change your fly? Usually for me, it's 12, 12 giraffes, unless I see the steelhead like go for it sometimes they'll go for it at mess how often do you get out steelhead fishing i try to every weekend but oh man it's all i'm jealous yeah. are you gonna go to school somewhere you're looking at like a college that's got good fishing nearby i'm not sure about college yet there's a good college here in town I might go to okay no pressure college for me was four years i wasn't fishing hmm. um, what about your rods and reels and any other gear that you prefer for steelhead fishing you got a preference I'm a big fan of the uh, Mystic fly rods. They're out okay. in uh, Michigan. They're awesome, awesome fly rods. And now if you look at them, every single one of them has an extra three-inch tip. And the point of that is to just give you a little bit more uh, suppleness for when that big steelhead runs down the creek so he doesn't snap your tip it. Right. We had them on at the, uh, the Lancaster Fishing Show. I interviewed the owners. Great rods. Great looking stuff. A lot of serious thought put into them, too. What about your reel? Do you have a preference for reel and, and lines you use? I use the uh, Kuma SLV reel. It's a good yeah. reel for the money. What about like your tip material? Bucks. Uh, Rio. That's not bad. Rio? Okay. The Power, power Flex? Power Flex. Real Power Flex. Okay. What, what weight do you use? A steelhead, usually 2X, 3X. It's really, really clear. I sometimes use 4X fluoro. That's gotta be tough to fish for a steelhead with four X. Not really. That's gotta be a really. I find the breaking points usually around five X. That's when you can't handle it. Of course, and then the Mystic Flyer does. I feel play a big role in being able to use white tippets. That's a good shout out for them. Definitely plug yeah. that they're putting that in there. Okay. Um, 
let's talk about some of your uh, your flies before we talk about some of your favorites to tie. Any patterns that are your least favorite to tie? Glow bugs. Those glow bugs where you like sort of like spin the uh, uh, yarn. Mm-hmm. I hate those. Problem with those is to tie one that looks nice, you have to really pack in the hair, uh, the glow bug yarn, but uh, that doesn't really create a good fishable fly. Do you prefer McFly foam if you're going to tie eggs? I prefer the glow bug yarn and blood dots. Oh, blood okay. dots where you make the loops. Yeah, so let's talk, let's say like 10 patterns. Let's start with the, the blood dot or blood dot. Let's not. You just want to talk about some of, some of the flies? Tutorials that he's on the website was yeah. great too. So what's the blood dot? Well, that was a fly. Uh, actually, I forgot to mention J- Jeff Blood. He's from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he's been a huge influence on my time. He's sort of taken the uh, match the hatch approach to steelhead. And that's what the blood dot was, to specifically imitate the steelhead egg. And when it's wet, it looks exactly like an egg. Yeah. It's, just, it's a really good fly. I've got to sit down and tie some of those before my trip next month. Yeah, if you put them in the water, they look just like a real egg. Okay. Um, how about, let's talk about the white death. So White death, yeah. This is my absolute it, favorite pattern. It's also it looks like it's, it's zonker with yeah. a mylar body and then just black head yes well i'll explain it here this is another yeah, Jeff blood it. pattern and this was designed to uh imitate a dead eerie shiner now yeah in the great lakes we have a lot of these little minnows called the eerie shiner or emerald shiner depending on where you are and they're not that hardy so when you get into like the fall months the winter spring when the temperature goes from, like 60 degrees in the day to freezing at night you get huge die-offs of these. So what happens is they turn white and go belly up, and that's what the uh, white death imitates. And the steelhead just gorge themselves on these things. Really? Okay. And you said the mylar on it. So I picked up the mylar at our local fly shop, and it's got, like, white fibers inside the tube. That's not the right silver mylar tube that I want. That's a sub. What's really important is the diameter. The size portions on this fly are absolutely critical. It has to be tied on a, a size 8 hook, a Daiichi uh, 2,220. And you have to get this Zonka strip real thin. It has to be one of those micro cuts. Really? Okay. And you just let that just dead drift like a yeah. dead beige drift swimming down, falling downstream? Okay. Uh, let's go with some other flies. What else do you like? I like what are you even tying up for clients? I, I like my steely caddis. It's like a... Chartreuse caddis pattern, I think it's a pupae. I think that's what the steelhead are eating. And that is really deadly in the uh, spring. So I'm looking at it now. It's got a green body with uh, black thorax, gold bead head, and then a collar of... Henback. Henback. Okay. And what size is that? Usually 12 or 10s. It's a good steelhead size. You think that the bead one I tied up, they're probably not going to eat because it's probably too hard? I tied up that one the other night that's just like five green glass beads on a hook. I don't know. The steelhead caddis is pretty hard. I don't think steelhead are more sight feeders. Okay. The only time uh, hardness of a fly comes into play is when they're really spooky. And usually Clear then water. just use like sucker spawn. Let's talk about sucker spawns too. So that's just an egg cluster? It's a egg cluster. You can, they were invented in uh, northeast PA, which is uh, where 20 Mile Creek is. It's one, one of my favorite PA trips. And basically the original was Angora yarn. 
and just a ton of little loops. And then someone came along one day and decided to upgrade it, and they made Crystal Math? Yes. I think it was actually right there on 20 Mile Creek, they created Crystal Math. Which is my usual go-to. Yeah. And they can be tied so fast. Yeah, yeah, I can tie one of those in under a minute. Some other favorites? Um, uh, black Stoneflies. I love those for a salmon. Or any time uh, you get steelhead in uh, not so, so much blown out water, but higher uh, dirty water. How about just like the straight up bugger? You, you big fan of the woolly bugger? Or like a variation on it? Yeah, woolly bugger is, is always a great pattern for a steelhead. I know when somebody asks me for a uh, good uh, steelhead uh, streamer, I always say to go with the uh, woolly bugger just because it's so simple and you can pretty much tie it in any color you want. I, like I usually do chartreuse. Do a black one. Black. Fuchsia, white. Black or rusty brown. And what about, so we, we mentioned Senyo and, and Dokuto. Do you get into any of the patterns like the intruders and the, what's that one that's called, the squidro? Do you tie any of those? No, I, I've started tying those because I've got a ton of requests for them, but I haven't really fished them. I haven't had too much success fishing them. Of course, I fish a lot of smaller trips on the east side of Erie, like a 20-mile, 16-mile Chautauqua Creek. I don't fish the big Ohio trips like the uh, Grand or the uh, Chagrin. The amazing thing about the Chagrin for me is it's so residential. I mean, it goes through neighborhoods, which for me is just bizarre to be catching. You know, you think it's steelhead, it's kind of out in the wilderness, but you walk out. I mean, the spot I go to at Tom Field, you walk out, you can get a sandwich and walk back down in five minutes. Yeah, that's it's a, such an urban fishery. Yeah, like Chautauqua Creek, there's some places you think you're out in the uh, wild somewhere. It's all, all these shale cliffs. You feel so secluded, but you walk out of the, out, out of the uh, little uh, river valley thing, and you're right in downtown Westfield. Those shale cliffs are so cool. I fish there in the winter, so they're, there's like snow on the top and snow sticking on the little ledges, but it makes a really cool backdrop when you're fishing. Let's see. I'm going to go through your site here. Any other patterns? Um, Estaz is always pretty popular. You do a lot of Estaz flies. I love Estaz and flies. I use that whenever I can to build a pattern. I like the uh, my Estaz spawn pattern, which is a sucker spawn with Estaz. And then I tie it were, in different flies like the uh, Elk Creek Bugger. I'm guessing that was developed on Elk Creek in PA? Yeah. Yeah, that's a local Elk Creek pattern. And I always hear that place gets a lot of shelf ice in the wintertime is one thing I always hear. Because that's not, as opposed to like the Salmon River, it's, um, it's a free-flowing stream, so it freezes up a lot quicker. Well, all the streams, I think, along Lake Erie are free-flowing streams. There's no big dams on them. Have you seen that that burning pipe on the Chagrin River? No, I, I forget which part. There's a, there's a pipe. It just sticks out of the river, and there's flames coming out of it. It's yeah, a lot really, of those are. Really strange. A lot of those Great Lake trips back in the 70s when the river was really polluted, they actually caught fire multiple times. Ugh. Yeah, that's something to think about, a river actually catching fire. Yeah. There's a, a beer, which you hopefully don't know about, by Great Lakes Brewery that's called, like, the, it's got a flaming river on it. But you'll, you'll find out in a couple of years about that. Mm. Um, what about some other, other steely patterns? You tie any, like, classic Atlantic salmon stuff or... Classic salmon flies, like Scottish style or Irish? I mean, not really. I use a lot of the uh, local patterns that right, were so invented here in, uh, in, in PA or New so York. So there's definitely a knack for tying the local stuff that's yeah. tried and true that everyone knows will work. 
what, so let's go through like uh, you start off in the morning. What are you going to start throwing at them? And what are you going to what are you going to rotate through? First thing, usually I always start out throwing white depth. It's my number one pattern. It works in low water. It works in normal flows. It works in high flows. Usually the fish will eat that, but if they don't, usually it all depends on flows. If it's low and clear, I'll go to a blood dot or something layer color like that. If the river's a little up more, I might try a uh, stonefly nymph, a uh, woolly bugger, a flash fly. I've been getting into tying up uh, jumbo johns. Do you ever tie those? I tie those. Those I like for when I'm in Ohio and I want to fish a kingdom rig and get real Mm -hmm. down deep because there are some deep holes in some rivers. And I tie those with big uh, tungsten D-heads, and they'll sink real well. Any particular color schemes you like more than others? Steely blue. Steely blue. Blue color. I've been tying up some steely blue buggers. What about Alaskan patterns? Do any of those work? I mean, I I caught a fish on, uh, got some on popsicles before. Do you like any of the Alaskan, like, shrimp patterns? Or you just pretty much stick to what, what's trying to intrude? I tie a lot of those up for actually Alaskan guys to use them, but I've never tried them on uh, Great Lake trips. So how are you getting noticed by people out in Alaska? Is it just word of mouth, social media for you? Just word of mouth. Uh, Instagram's real good. Pretty good. What are your plans? I mean, are you going to try and pursue this as a living? Uh, maybe. Start. Or whatever. I'm really thinking about maybe going into law enforcement or maybe something like that. Okay. You can shoot the fish if they're not cooperating. Yeah. How far My did you leave from Quantico, Virginia? Quantico? Um, 20 miles, maybe? Traffic's always the issue here. Yeah. Yeah, about tw- 20 miles from Quantico. It's not too far. There's a bunch of snakeheads down there. They did a Quantico on-base snakehead tournament this year. Have you ever tied up, um, like, the squirmy wormies for steelhead? The rubber material from You know, Spirit I tied River? a few of those and shipped them out. I think it was to Oregon or something like that. They used them out there for steelhead. I brought a no, bunch no. last year. Yeah, we got skunked last year. Seven of us didn't catch a single steelhead in five days. It was weird. It was right before the Hurricane Sandy came up through New York. So, I mean, I don't know if it was low pressure or what, but no one on the river was catching it. No, right after that, the the trips were awesome after Sandy. Huge brown came up uh, 16 Mile Creek. I mean, the whole pool was packed with big browns after Sandy. It was awesome. Did just the amount of water just make them want to go on? Yeah, just the amount of water. Actually, I went up to uh, Oak Orchard over the weekend, and there was a bunch of us up there, and I think I was the only one that actually landed a fish. We were hooking up with the salmon regularly, but for some reason, they just wanted to go back down to the lake. You'd hook into one, and it'd just spool you. Yeah, they just make that U-turn, and they're like, I'm going home, dude. Yeah. I'm going back to the deep. What are some non-steelhead patterns? You also do uh, you know, warm water, pike, muskie, bass? Yeah, I tie a bunch of uh, bass patterns, usually the uh, articulate stuff for bass. Now, we have a good river here. It's called the... Uh, Allegheny River flows over to Kinzu Dam in Warren, PA, and we get some absolutely huge uh, musky, walleye, bass in there. Just really big fish. I'm not sure if it's just the deep water there, but we get some monster fish that'll chase flies. Musky seems to be like the, the new thing to tie monster flies for right now. I see some crazy Instagram pictures of they they look like parrots with hooks on them. You have a preferred hook you use for big musky and pike? 
the partridge uh, predator axe hooks awesome. They're they are wickedly sharp. And when you're using more expensive material, does that affect the the cost of your flies, or is it pretty much standard price throughout? Like if you got to use expensive hooks, expensive tungsten, does the cost of all those materials go into the pricing? Oh, it certainly does. Like a uh, tungsten beadhead fly, I charge more from that from like, than like a uh, brass beadhead fly. Yeah, if I lose a you know tungsten fly in a tree, I'm going after it. Hmm. That's that's like losing a couple quarters. I'm not going. I'm not leaving that behind. I'll do what I can to get those back. Yeah, that's mainly why I started uh, fly tying in bulk. Is because just buying flies was too expensive. Yeah, when you're bottom bouncing for steelhead, I mean, you lose a lot of flies. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to mention. I always see guys go out there and they only like have like three of one pattern, and that's something. Personally, I carry at least a dozen, if not more, of a particular size or pattern for steelhead. Because when they get locked onto a certain pattern, you better have that pattern or you'll be skunked, not catch anything. Did you ever take a tying kit with you to the river? No, I've never done that because usually it takes too long. It takes longer to tie a fly than it does to lose a fly. So usually <laughs> I just tie a, a bunch and bunch of flies and have them with me. Just be prepared you know, before like, you go out. You know, like Jeff Blood says, one of his quotes is, uh, if you're not losing 25 flies a day, you're not fishing deep enough. Wow. And that's basically, you have to be on the bottom for a steelhead. If you're not hanging up once in a while, or if you're not losing a fly in a fish, then, then you're not fishing deep enough. Do you split shot, sink tips? How are you getting down to these guys? Split shot, usually BBs. And you're in New York, so no lead. Do you buy it out of state, or do you use I, tin? I, I go down to Pennsylvania and buy it in bulk and bring it up here. Down to, like, Cabela's or Bass Pro? Yeah, some of the smaller fly shops like Poor Richard's and Erie carries it. But I really like the lead stuff. The tin stuff's too bright and shiny. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it looks like a brand-new nickel that just came off the market, came off the line. They're, they're definitely bright. What about people that paint them? Do you hear people that paint their split shot because they're scared fish can see them? That, can, that I use way, I lose way too much split shot to paint them. I know, like, uh, if you're going, if you if you lose a fly on your bottom, chances are you you also lost your. Split you ever, um, I buy those big bulk bags and stick those in yeah. the back of my vest in case they run run out. Do you ever get snagged and you you give it a yank and it comes out that it's the the reed you lost like an hour ago? You get your whole split yeah. shot and your fly back. That's yeah, such that a great feeling. Yeah, I'm always like, dude, Like, it's always my rig. I don't pull out other people's rigs. And I don't know how why, but that's such a great feeling. You pull your fly out, you're like, dude, that's one of mine. Yeah, I, what about, I always like it when you hook a fish and land the fish and you get your fly back out, out of its mouth that you lost earlier. Yeah. Do you um, sharpen your hooks after you're banging on rocks and logs? You take them out and file them down? Uh-huh. You know, I've done that a couple times, but usually, and this goes back to having multiple, multiple flies, my time on a stream is limited, so I just change a fly, stick the fly back in my vest that's broken, and when I get home, I'll sharpen it or do stuff to it to make it better, and then reuse it. Okay. You're pretty educated about the flies and the tires and history. Are, they, are you learning this from books? Going to events and meeting these people, internet. Where you, where do you get all this? Your depth of background. It's a combination knowledge? of stuff I've read. Pretty much all the books about Lake Erie steelhead fishing. 
I've gone to a lot of classes where these guys teach about steel fishing. That's where I start out. And recently, I've really gotten into the uh, social media of looking at stuff like people put people post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. What are some of the books you'd recommend? Some of your favorites? John like, May got... Steelhead Journal. It's a good one. Okay. I think he's in his fourth edition of that. You like Rick Kustich or Matt Zupinski? Um Yeah, both of those guys have uh, written some really good books. There's another book from Ohio author that just came out. I can't remember his name. Not the one about fishing in the oceans. I can't remember. Of course, once we hang up, I'll be like, oh, that was the name of the book. Um, yeah. What about magazines? Do you rely on, like, Fly Fishman, Fly Rod and Reel, any local magazines or newspapers that have good information? I always read that uh, Eastern Fly Fishing uh, Journal, I think it is, and then the, and then the free one they give to you in uh, fly shops. Mm-hmm. The one yeah, that's like on newspaper print. Yeah. yeah. And she said the fly fishing journal. Yeah. The mid Atlantic. And, and then they'll do seminars at your fly shops. You have speakers that come in and do like tying and casting lessons and just yeah. do slideshows. That's pretty cool. I know there was one at Chagrin you river last year. Um, yeah, we don't get that too much down here. Not too many people just come come through this way, I guess. You know, we're a big metropolis, but it's pretty rare to get like a you know a big speaker. We'll have people come out to our fly tying events at the bar. We had Brad Bowen come out last year, the musky guy, but he didn't really talk. He just kind of sat there, drank beer, ate fries, and tied flies all night. Yeah, that's what he did when he came to the fly shop here. Are you at the point now where you're going to do speaking engagements? Yeah, that's what I'm starting to do. I'm- I haven't had anything set in stone yet, but I'm looking at doing it at maybe a fly shop this year. Okay. Um, so what else do you fish for? Do you ever do saltwater? I've done some saltwater fishing, but I usually get skunked a little bit out of my uh, comfort zone, saltwater. Yeah, that's the tides. and Usually the I stick with freshwater fish. I do a- if I was that close to steelhead, I'd probably be sticking to steelhead more often. Yeah. I get about two trips a year. Yeah. Do you um? Do you guys have a boat? It's mostly weight fishing. It's mostly weight fishing. I think only the cat in the grand's big enough to float. And I do have a buddy that floats the uh, cat sometimes. That's the cataragus. Yes, yes, cataragus. And that's does that go through like the Native American Indian reservation? Yeah, it does go through the native reservation right. what other um suggestions do you have for people that are just getting into steelhead fishing besides just keep at it keep at it switch flies is it is it learning uh, like where they're going to be sure in the river fishing deep enough um make don't go too early i know a lot of guys that the second they hear the steelhead or in a creek they'll run right down to the creek and there might be like two fish in real clear water and, and they won't catch anything the prime time is actually during deer season. In, uh, Which is when there's fewer people out. Yeah. And then, if you really want to get, catch them steelhead, the springs, I feel, is when they're the stupidest, when they're the easiest to catch. And that's when they're getting ready to spawn and they're or post-spawn yeah. and they're just hungry. And I like, the spawning bucks are real uh, 
easy to catch. They'll they'll have properly presented fly. Is it just they're so aggressive that they're just going to go smack anything that comes by? And they're so aggressive, and they'll eat pretty much anything that you put in front of them. And for the winter fishing, do you have any recommendations for de-icing guides? Do you put the rod in the water and shake it? Do you use Vaseline? Yeah, do don't do that. You use Vaseline. Uh, put okay. Vaseline on before you leave. And try to, first thing, don't stick your reel in, in the water. Because that's real nice when you go to catch a fish and then it runs downstream. It's to, yeah, it's frozen. All right, well, um, that's pretty my limited questions. Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, you hear, I just wanted to know about your flies because I see them on Instagram and, and they're pretty gnarly. Um, what else do you want to do to sell your product and just tell people about steelhead out there? Do you ever, do you ever bribe oh, your teachers go. that fish? Like, do you like, hey, I biology teacher? Because I used to work with a guy who was in high school and he, um, he traded a rod for an A in history class. He bought a rod at the fly shop and then traded that and he got an automatic A. He was failing the class. But that was pretty sweet. When I was a teacher, my kids never tried to bribe me. It was unfortunate because I probably would have gone for something. You got to do a fishing like when school's out, bell rings, and you're done. Or yeah, you we mostly a weekend fishing here. No, we don't have this uh, good fishing here in Olean. So it's a Usually weekend like road trip. Fishing. Yeah. Okay. And one thing I'd like to mention: if you're uh, fishing steelhead or salmon or anything that's going to take a line, make sure. That you check your backing, your backing's not tangled, and you knot your fly line over the backing when you attach it. Do you have a preference for a knot for leader to backing or a fly line to backing? Like Albright I, versus Bimini? See, uh, I tie the uni in the backing, and uh, then I tie a simple overhand knot in the fly line. And that's going back to that trip I took last weekend up to Oak Orchard. I can't tell you how many times I saw a fly line floating down the stream with, without backing attached. And there's this really? big old king on the other end. <laughs> Just slashing away and taking it with it? Yeah. Free fly yeah. line. So what happens is you don't check your backing, and then when that big king's going down the stream, your rod's all bent over, you got all this drag pressure applied, and then as soon as that backing knot gets off the reel, it snaps. And usually what happens okay. is when you just nail not, uh, your back into the fly line, only the uh, fly line coatings giving strength to the connection. And that stuff's weak. Would you ever put a little dollop of clear cure on that little knot? Yeah. Would that be yeah. too rough going through the guides? No, actually, that'd smooth it out. Actually, that's a good idea. Clear cure goo. Woohoo! Light bulb idea above my head. That's a pretty good last one. Anything else you want to talk about? My wife, I smell something good coming from the kitchen, so I don't know. I'm getting hungry here. Um, well, where can we find you? Find you online? Oh, go on. Well, I'm on uh, my website. I'm sirenflies.blogspot.com. I also have my blog, which has a lot of fly patterns and fishing information on it. Steelhead on the fly. Blogspot.com. Okay. Facebook, Instagram, yeah. Twitter too. Facebook, I'm Sirenflies, Twitter. ASF Steelhead and Very cool. I, Steelhead Alley Flies. I've been thoroughly impressed with this conversation. I honestly thought you were going to be some middle-aged dude. I guess I didn't realize that's you on your website when I scrolled down. You got a and you got the fish glove, the the landing glove on. Yeah, the Jim Peak landing glove, and that's another thing I forgot to uh, mention. 
when you're steelhead fishing or salmon fishing, always carry a net and always have a landing club or something. I can't tell you how many times I see a guy bring a big fish into to the gravel and he can't land it because he doesn't have a net. I met Jim Teeny over the summer. Really cool dude. Really cool guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Makes good sink tips and that landing can's a genius because I've had steelhead just like flopping all over the place trying to jump back in the stream, but you have such a great grip on that on their tail of that you can't lose lose them. Is it just the friction on it? Just gives you like good contraction? Friction, it cuts through their slime. And also a lot of times okay. I see newbies sometimes they'll uh, take a fish out of the net, they drop it, flops around in the gravel, gets uh, dirt and stuff up up in their gills and they can't breathe and end up dying. Right. Let's talk before we go, netting fish. So I went out with a guy who had never netted big fish before and it was a disaster. I lost so many steelhead and browns and rainbows and salmon that weekend. Do you have any tips and tricks for uh, for netting? Actually, I explained netting a, a ton of times this w- last weekend for netting salmon. Always net head first. I, I see so many guys go up and try to go behind the fish. And basically what happens is the fish feels the net coming up behind them, so it's a yes, rock towards deep water. If you go from the uh, head first, you cannot. Usually the fish can't move. The fish can't swim backwards. The fish usually can't like wiggle off to the side. The only way it can go is into the net. And usually the fish's center of gravity is closest to its head. And usually if you get that center of gravity inside the net, you can usually have the fish. Excellent. All right. Let's leave it with that last note. Uh, Tyler, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. And everybody, go buy supplies from him. Yeah. Very cool. And um, we'll have to hook up some time when I'm up near your neck of the woods. And give you a shout if you come down to Quantico. I'll be on the chagrin at Christmas time. That's not too close to you. All right. No, it's not. That's up in Ohio. Yeah. You should try to Connie out. That's on the New York. Uh, Ohio PA border it's real good alright I will definitely do that well thanks so much for joining us and um, hope you enjoy your weekend and hopefully get some fishing in yeah, me on. alright take care thanks so much alright bye alright bye thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast for more information or to contact Rob please go to www.robsnowwhite.com